Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, September 14th. Tennis fans, you'd be forgiven if you felt the need to skip monitoring all of the action this week in the tennis world. I mean, we're coming off of a six-week North American hardcore stretch that's felt like one prolonged sprint from start to finish with all the different storylines that ended up emerging. Of course, we still have a long runway of tennis ahead as well here in 2023. We're headed to Asia for the first time in a long time. We've got European indoor hardcourt action. Of course, we've got the culmination of it all, the 2023 year-end championships. College tennis about to get rocking and rolling. A North American ATP challenger stretch on the horizon as well. There's still a lot of tennis to come, so it would have been understandable if maybe you chose this week to go apple picking with your family, to hit the pumpkin patch, to dive headfirst into some of the college athletics you may have missed during that U.S. Open run. But of course, here at Cracked Rackets, we know the tennis world never sleeps. It's why we've decided to make today a two-mini-break podcast Thursday. One podcast to cover all the standard acts. Action happening in the tennis world. Of course, by that, I'm referring to the WTA action in San Diego, the WTA action in Osaka, ATP Davis Cup action, and of course, the event I will be watching most closely on the men's side, that carry challenger as well. That said, we wanted to produce a second podcast for all of you tennis fans today to let you know about the inaugural Oklahoma Tennis Foundation Open, an event starting this weekend, this Friday, for the first time in its history in an event that will be covered from first ball to last on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Now, we've been promoting this event for the past six to eight weeks. Why have we been doing so? A, I'm on the grounds here in Edmond, and let me just say, I've seen a lot of really nice tennis centers in my day. The Edmond Tennis Center, which is where this Oklahoma Tennis Foundation Open event is being held, It's on the list. It is as nice as just about any local facility I have seen across the country. Now, I'm excluding the USTA National Campus in Orlando, but I'll tell you what. This is about the 75% version of that national campus in Orlando. We have just freaking courts everywhere. I think it's 24 outdoor courts. I believe it's six indoor courts. I believe it's a 30,000-foot clubhouse building to you know home all the players who are here visiting. They've got locker rooms for the three local high schools. I could do 20 minutes on just the Edmond Tennis Center alone. Sincerely, it is that beautiful of a facility. You understand why they're starting to host big events moving forward. We have an announcement in terms of an event coming to Edmond in the future. I just haven't been given the green light to share that news yet, but they got big plans for the Edmond Tennis Center. And again, I cannot credit this Oklahoma Tennis Foundation team, Bill, Bruce, There are too many names. I don't want to name everyone. I don't want mostly because I don't want to forget anyone, but I am so excited for this Oklahoma Tennis Foundation event this weekend. Again, uh, Friday, Saturday on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. And beyond just being excited to be here in Oklahoma, let me explain why I'm excited for the tennis this weekend, which again is what I want to do here on today's show. I know we've been alluding to this fact for quite some time, but 
You look at some of the names competing this weekend. I mean, it is just a nexus of all things we love here at Crack Rackets. You all know we're on the college tennis beat 24-7, 365. Well, if you like college tennis, this is the place for you this weekend. You've got Oklahoma royalty everywhere, past, present, future. You look at players like Julia Garcia-Ruiz, Emma Staker, Ramona Sisovska. I'll get that pronunciation right. Eventually leave that in. All you know, OU women's players who we've certainly gotten to know quite well over the past couple of seasons here at Cracked Rackets. On the men's side, you got a guy like Nathan Hahn, Alex Garcia, uh, Alex Martinez, uh, excuse me, not Alex Garcia, but Nathan Hahn, Alex Martinez, uh, Mark Mandlick. You know, it is the nucleus of an Oklahoma core that expects to do some pretty special things this season. All those Oklahoma men and women, they're here competing on the Oklahoma State side of things. You've got, you know, I I mean, I can go through the list. Derek Pham, this is going to be my first time getting to see the freshman who certainly has some expectations on his shoulder to see guys like Tyler Zink, Alex Garcia, Alessio Basile. I can go on, uh, on and on about the list of players. Again, we will see here this weekend. And in fact, that is what I want to do for all of you listeners here on what will be part one of a two-mini-break podcast Thursday. Again, later on today, I'll update you on all the standard tour-level action. San Diego, Osaka, Davis Cup, Kerry. We'll get there a little bit later. But what I want to do on this, dare I say, abbreviated part one of today's shows is offer you a preview of what you can expect this weekend on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Again, this inaugural Oklahoma Tennis Foundation Open event. I want to run you through all eight teams in what is a world team tennis style formatted event. I want to run you through all eight teams. I want to talk you through the format of the weekend. I want to give you a synopsis of our coverage. I'm sure inevitably I'll mix in a prediction or two as well. And again, you just got to credit the Oklahoma Tennis Foundation to put on an event like this to offer prize money to all of these players competing. So many of them currently in college, they'd be able to use said prize money as, excuse me, a little foothold, or it will provide them perhaps a little bit of breathing room as all of them begin to pursue their post college careers, whether it be on the tennis court, off the tennis court. And, you know, again, to see some people come back for this event, a legend, fellow AG, fellow uh, former, not fellow, former Oklahoma standout, Alex Galea's in action. You've got Whitney Ritchie, a player I have always wanted to speak with, considering she went from Oklahoma Sooner number one singles player to Oklahoma seventh player on the basketball bench. You know, you just don't see those sorts of transitions from college athletes very frequently. And, you know, again, across the board, Obich Kajurder, she's making her Alice uh, from Iowa State to Oklahoma State debut. You've got the pair of LSU transfers, Sophia Carrington, Anastasia Komar. We got squads up and down the board. So, again, what I want to do for all of you listeners today is introduce those eight teams. I suppose I'll handicap the field for all of you as we go through those eight. We'll talk about them. Then I want to run you through, again, what is our format for the weekend? How can you follow our coverage? What will that coverage look like? That's our plan for all of you here on part one. Of course, I will be back later today to offer you part two of this show, an update on all things, again, happening in the standard tennis world. With all that said, a shout out as always to our friends here at the Oklahoma Tennis Foundation. Again, so honored, privileged, blessed to be here covering this event. And 
I think I've been on the road now. The best way of framing it is I have been in Indianapolis six days in the past seven weeks. Shout out Westoff. He's finally getting the vacation from me. I suppose he deserves and shout out to him for making all of our content possible. A shout out to all of you for listening day in, day out. And a shout out, of course, as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. All right. Enough beating around the bush. Again, I'm going to be efficient the rest of the way here with my word choice because we've got some Oklahoma Tennis Foundation things on the horizon. So I got to get rolling. Let's start by introducing our eight teams. And again, that's the key number. Eight different teams of four, two men, two women on each team. I guess actually the best way to start would be by talking through the format for the weekend because that's the key. Eight teams, two men, two women on each team were playing the world team tennis, or as I like to call it, the club tennis format. What does that mean for all of you at home? Well, here's what the club tennis format looks like. Again, you play a set of guys and girls doubles. You play a set of, I should say, men's and women's doubles. You play a set of men's and women's singles. You play a set of mixed doubles as well. Now, how the World Team Tennis format works, it's not a set to six. It's not a tiebreaker at six all. No, you play first to five in the set. Should it be four all in the set? That's when you play a nine-point breaker, not the typical tiebreaker, a nine-point breaker. So that tiebreak means two serves, two serves, two serves, three serves, meaning that for all sudden death point is a no add point, meaning the returner gets to choose what side it comes on. But obviously the server gets to choose to serve it out. Again, you alternate two, 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 three for the server. Every match, five sets per match, all of those sets, again, first to five tiebreaker at for all. How do you determine who the team champion is in any given match? I was going to say it's simple. I mean, I think it's pretty simple. It's pretty easy arithmetic. It's total games added up. So let's say we win men's doubles 5-3. We win men's singles 5-4. We lose women's doubles six uh, 5-2. We lose women's doubles 5-4. You know, again, now what is the point margin? I, I did not remember at all, but it's even going into mixed doubles, I think, in this scenario. So, you know, the winner of mixed straight up would take the title now. What is very fun about the World Team Tennis uh, format, and I want to make this abundantly clear, is, you know, again, if teams are tied at the conclusion of the mixed doubles final match, a 13-point tiebreaker will be played in mixed doubles to determine the team winner. 13-point breaker, meaning first to seven, uh, win by two. A team can at any point, including the tiebreaker, substitute a player of the same gender into a set for any reason. This includes in the middle of a game, so it could be 15-30, you don't like how one player's serving, or you think this player's going to line up the return particularly well, you can make a full hockey substitution. You can sub out both players on the court. You can sub out one player on the court. Now, obviously, given it's two men, two women per team, it's going to be really hard to do those substitutions in double and same gender doubles, but mixed doubles, singles, substitutions are in play. It's one of my favorite things overall. By the way, uh, it is the 13-point breakers win by one, not win by two. Just wanted to preface that. How does overtime play work? This is one of my favorites as well. After all the games are totaled, if the trailing team wins mixed doubles, the match is not over. Here's what I mean by that. Let's say we're down four games going into mixed doubles, and my team wins the set 5-3. We're now down two games 
but we get to keep playing until the team in the lead either A, wins a game, ends the match, that's how it ends, or B, we get to a tiebreaker and we play that sudden death 13-point breaker. So just to reiterate what that means, you have to win the final game of the match to win the match. There's no, oh, limping by in this because it's a team format. No, 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 no. This is still tennis. You have to win to stay in. And again, if the team trailing wins the mixed double set, then the leading team cannot stop play until they complete a game to win the match or are forced into a deciding tiebreaker, at which point that tiebreaker will decide the match. And again, a tiebreaker, a 13-point breaker, first to seven, win by one. I mean, this is why I still do this job, by the way. If you're wondering, Alex, where does your enthusiasm, passion for tennis come from? A bunch of different places. But this is the format we used in club tennis. Now, we actually played breakers at 5-all, I believe, for 6, because at 4-all, I'm I'm 100% sure Rothman got to serve one more time. Their opponent, you know, our opponents got to serve one more time. And Rothman and I only lost four times in club tennis. Shout out to us. But on those rare occasions, we were pushed to a breaker. I knew that breaker would come at 5-all. These sets are played to 5 instead of to 6. Part of the reason we're doing that is we've got four matches going on at once in all of our sessions. Therefore... You know, again, all these teams going to be playing on just one court specifically. What does that mean? It means we're playing one set at a time. We don't want these matches. You know, it's still one set, no ad scoring in all of these sets. Matches aren't going to take longer than two, two and a half hours tops. That said, you know, again, we do want to help speed up that process a little bit. And in order to do so, again, sets played to five, not to six. But again, This is the reason I still do this podcast today. This format, the excitement it generates, then just the team environment. There are two places you get to play team tennis in all of tennis. College tennis and then whatever pop-up makeshift team events are on the calendar, whether it be world team tennis, whether it be the ITT or whatever it is they play in India, whatever it is they're playing in Saudi uh, Saudi Arabia in that month of December as well. There's just very limited opportunities for team tennis on the calendar, and this is unequivocally one of those opportunities we'll get to see it. So again, five sets per match, men's and women's doubles, men's and women's singles, a mixed double set to decide things. The winning team cannot win the match until they win the final game of the match. That means we'll have overtime. That means we'll have breakers. Again, the broader no-ad format just leads to excitement no matter what. I'm all in. I am absolutely all in on this event. I could not be more flattered that our team got invited to be here. I could not be more excited for the action to begin tomorrow. And again, we will have coverage. I believe first matches begin 7 p.m. Central Time. 7 p.m. Central Time on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. So that'll be after most of the action has concluded. That will be right as San Diego's action is starting to get underway as well. So we can be the warm-up. We can be the... Dare I say, the uh, happy hour companion for all of you tennis fans out there, or maybe as you're pre-gaming to get ready to the to go to the bars, you pop us up on your screen. You can enjoy the action from afar again Friday, Saturday on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. And why will you want to tune in to the action we've got for you all? Well, just listen to the teams we have uh, in store 
competing this weekend. Again, I mentioned it earlier, but it's the nexus of all things we love here at Cracked Rackets. Current, former, future college athletes, all Americans littered on in between just about every roster that we have. Let me just run you through it. And you know, uh, shout out to our tournament director, Bill. He and I went through because we're doing a Calcutta tonight, which allows fans to, dare I say, place a wager or two on these teams as well. They can feel some stakes. They can get in on the action. And again, I can't emphasize this enough, the way the Oklahoma Tennis Foundation has not only embraced, but engaged all of the local high schools, ensuring all of those players get the chance to come out, get to see, you know, again, dare I say, players who could serve as their role models, players who could serve as their inspiration, players who are also not that far in age from them. I remember how significant it was for me as a 12, 13, 14-year-old to see college athletes competing to, you know, dare I say, project myself onto them and say, okay, I see the hard work they do. I see all of these things they're capable of. Maybe that could be me someday. You know, again, the Oklahoma Tennis Foundation has ensured that all of those pr- prospective intrigued college uh, uh, perspective, potential college tennis players, excuse me, they're going to have the opportunity to attend this event. And, you know, beyond that, I know we have a kids clinic on Saturday. I know we have an adaptive tennis clinic as well for, you know, again, those who may not be fully fit, may have some sort of physical debilitation to them, but still love the game and still uh, uh, physical deficiency, excuse me, and still love the game, still want to be out there competing, still want to embrace the sport. And, you know, again, for this Oklahoma Tennis Foundation to not only provide the opportunity for everyone to do so, they're providing rackets to these players. They're providing shirts. They're providing hats. They're providing snow cones, for God's sakes, and meals. And just, you know, I I, I want to keep calling it a clam bake or a, a shrimp off or a, a shrimp bake. I, 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 I'm not Oklahoman enough nor Southern enough. I'm not going to lie. My Michigan is showing right now really hard. But there's some sort of seafood bake happening here on Friday night that, again, involves that Calcutta where we get to engage the fans, introduce these teams, tell them what they're rooting for. Just more of these. More of these comprehensive events that go, you know, that involve – not just the local community adults, not just the local community kids, but embrace the local colleges in the area as well. Embrace the current pros or former college players who are now lingering in this community. It's just a comprehensive Oklahoma tennis community event. You love to hear it. You're going to love to hear these teams as well. I promise we'll get into them now. Let's start with the favorites in my mind. And I will be shocked. Let me repeat that for you all. I will be shocked if anyone other than Team Sam Crawford wins this event. And yes, I do mean that, Samantha Crawford. For those of you who say, why do I Why do I know that name? Why is that name, Samantha Crawford, familiar to me? Of course, Samantha Crawford was I think she's my age, first of all, but she was one of the top American prospects. Yeah, she's a 28-year-old, 1995-er. She was a top American prospect for quite some time, uh, a girls' singles champion at the 2012 U.S. Open, beat Annette Conteve in that final, reached a career high of number 98 in the singles rankings, 216 in the doubles rankings. Now, she past college tennis altogether, but now has come back, uh, you know, and is giving the college ranks a go, albeit not as a player, but as a coach for Sam Crawford, the 28-year-old who will be the assistant at Oklahoma State this season. Look, has it been a while since we've seen Sam Crawford competing week in, week out on tour? Yeah, it has been. 
Do you ever doubt the game uh, of a, dare I say, former junior U.S. Open champion, someone who, again, was a top 100 singles player in the world? I have no doubt for a set of doubles, for a set of mixed doubles, if that's what she's asked to do, Crawford's going to bring the goods. And again, it's always cool to get to hang out with someone who I looked I was, I looked up to Sam Crawford. I mean, she was all, when I was young and my most impressionable, she was the one winning all the ITF. She was the one rising among, up the ranks. She was the one Colette Lewis was always talking about. You know, she's the captain on her team, and she's by far the worst player. In my mind, this team is the favorite, minus 250 to take the title. And I suppose we'll accept your bets. DMs are always open at AL Gruskin. I was about to give out my phone number, but the DMs are always open at AL Gruskin, at Cracked Rackets, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, I suppose you can reach out to at Oklahoma Tennis Foundation or Oklahoma Tennis Open. Oklahoma Tennis Foundation Open. I forget what the exact Twitter handle is. You can find it on my Twitter, though, if you want to tweet at them to get in at the action as well. And by the way, I think it's 70-20-10 is the split. 70% of the Calcutta goes to the winning team. Uh, 20% goes to the foundation. 10%, I want to say, goes to... I don't know. I don't know what the extra 10% goes. I just was given the number 70-20-10. Anyways, listen to Team Crawford. You've got her. You've got Tyler Zink, who's been a top 50 player in the country since he walked into college tennis first year at Georgia, two years at Oklahoma State. Plenty of pro success as well, particularly on the doubles court where he, George Goldoff, had been killing it. Of course, you look for Zink, the 22-year-old, right now sitting at outside the top 1,000 in singles, but has been ranked as high as number 781. You look for him in doubles right now. Tyler Zink currently ranked 354 in the world, 46 spots off his career high of 308, which he reached at the start of August. Yeah, give me a Zink-Crawford mixed doubles team. I don't think they're losing at all. Of course, they're partners uh, with Anastasia Komar, the now redshirt sophomore who transfers after a, what, two-loss, three-loss opening campaign at LSU. She transfers over to Oklahoma State. It's going to be fascinating to see. She was one of the top redshirt freshmen, yes, but freshman in the country last season. She's in action, and then, of course, they're paired with the veteran Alex Garcia, who still, I believe, has one more go. Uh at uh, one more go for the Cowboys this season. And yes, you look right now, according to, uh, let me let me make sure I get this right. Alex Garcia, he's got to be a fifth year, right? Uh, Garcia is indeed the fifth year grad student. I, I don't know if he played last year. Might have been injured overall. No, wait, I have the record in front of me. Alex Garcia last season, 11-7 and seven overall, played at the three and four spots uh, primarily for the Cowboys. But again, and I say this with love, because Alex Garcia, a fellow AG, I've often been a fan of seeing how big he can hit the ball in person. That's the best team. Crawford, former junior U.S. Open champion. Zink might have also been a junior slam champion, but top 400 in the world in doubles. Komar was one of the 30 best players in the country last year. And Garcia went 11-7 and at the 3-4 and four spot. Whether he's asked to play singles, doubles this weekend, I think he will be just fine. Those are the favorites. But again... There are some teams certainly threatening on the horizon. Next, I'd go to Captain Mark Mandlick and the fighting OU Sooners team. You've got four active Sooners on this roster. Start on the women's side, rising sophomore Julia Garcia Ruiz, who was one of the top freshmen in the country last season for the Sooners, played primarily bottom of the lineup, but lefty can grind. And give her a summer with Audra Cohen, 
coach Mariana Cobra, obviously new members of the Oklahoma staff. I'm fascinated to see how Garcia Ruiz comes out of the blocks because sounds the Corleys as Oklahoma has lost this past season. They lose Lane Sleeth as well. Now they still have Guzman. They still have Garcia Ruiz. Uh, they still have Emma Staker. They bring back Sisovska, uh, who of course limited action in the bottom of the lineup last season. They bring in a couple of transfers as well. But look, Garcia Ruiz is going to be asked to step up this season, asked to play the three, the four spot, you know, successfully the way a Pisareva was, the way a Carmen or Ivana Corley has the past two seasons. I think she has the level capable of it. Certainly we saw that from her in the fall of the college tennis season last year. We certainly saw that from her as the season progressed. We moved from indoors to outdoors last season as well. Sasovska is going to be competing for a roster spot. Going to be fascinating to see what sort of edge she plays with. And then on the men's side of this team, look, Mark Mandelik was out with injuries all of last season. Didn't get to experience that resurgence for Oklahoma, who, yes, lost second round of the NCAA tournament, which for their standards is a team that made three consecutive NCAA finals from, what, 2014 to 2016. Won an NCAA individual doubles title. Shout out Papa and Harris in 2017 as well. Last year, they started to right the ship. They bring back everyone. They bring back Martinez. They bring back Schlottiger. They bring back Nathan Hahn. They bring back Jordan Hassan. And now they bring back Mark Mandlick from injury as well. Mandlick going to be competing here this weekend for those of you who have forgotten about the prowess of the Sooner. Mandlick, uh, career high number 49 back in December of 2021, went 28-11 in singles as a junior, got wins over top 50 players in Richard Siamara and others. Uh, Wampi Mizuchi, Matthias Soto, he beat in doubles. Look, you get Mandelik back. That's the big thing after not having him. And you add him to that core. You add Baptiste Anselmo. Oh, I forgot to say Baptiste Anselmo. And then, by the way, you lose Sifos Monsi. You bring back Mark Mandelik. You bring in Colo Monsi as well. Oklahoma has serious, serious pieces to compete in what will obviously be, as always, a stacked Big 12 conference. But... They're all active players. Garcia Ruiz, Sisovska, Martinez, Mandlik, they all have things to prove as well. That is a dangerous team, number two on my list, at plus 150. Three and four, uh, a couple of teams, again, all college players, but, you know, again, oh, it's actually fascinating. The Alex Galea team is undervalued here because that team just scraps, and you will have to kill all four of Team Alex Galea before you get them off the court. Again, Donna Guzman's going to play nine hours. I don't care if it's one set to five, not no ad scoring. She'll find a way to get an hour set in. Guzman, electric in her first full season healthy back last season. I think she went, what, 18-6 and six overall. Watching Hearn Vidmanova play in that round of 16 battle at the end of the year, one of my favorite matches I saw all season. I will never bet against the grind that is Donna Guzman. Might be the best women's player we have here this week. And, you know, again, you take her with, I haven't said these words in a while, third set taker. It's our girl, Emma Staker. She's back after a tricky sophomore season. 11 and 10 last year, obviously didn't lose ever as a freshman did Staker. I don't want to say it was a step backwards last year, but it certainly at best was status quo. And I'm just not betting against Emma on home soil in her home state. Guzman, Staker, 
It's a fascinating doubles pairing as well. Last year, they went two and three together when they played uh, for Oklahoma. They're partnered with Nathan Hahn. Again, Hahn, another one of those Oklahoma veterans you look for. Nathan Hahn, rock solid last season. The senior uh, comes back now this year. I mean, he's paired with Alex Galea, who I have literally seen be on the precipice of a fist fight. That's how competitive he is. He just does not go away. Love that team. The OU Sooners, another one. Galea, Staker, Han, Guzman. And then, you know, again, how about Oklahoma State duo part two? I'm not selling, to, you know, Iomi, Ayumi Miyamoto may have played four, five singles last year, but didn't lose a ton of matches throughout the course of the season. And, you know, again, to bring her uh to have her as your fifth year on this squad, to have Obi Kajuru, uh, Kajuru excuse me, uh, on your squad as well. Obi, of course, really the reason Iowa State was able to go from good to elite last season. Obi played primarily at the number two spot, but all Big 12 first team in singles, all Big 12 first team in doubles as well. I believe she went 25-6 and six overall in the season last year, did Kajurder. I mean... Obi's got game. It's that simple. She actually, it's probably between her, Guzman. Man, between her, Guzman, and uh, Komar, we've got three of the top 25 women's college tennis players in the country this week. So love that. Love this duo again. Miyamoto, Kajurder. We bring in a Derek Pham, one of the top-rated freshmen, top 1,000 in the world, uh, Pro ranking, he's partnered with Alessio Basile, who I'm still trying to learn a little bit more of. Two guys on that Oklahoma State roster. But again, that's a solid squad. If those are your three and fours teams, Galia and Miyamoto, who's the easy rollover victory? Like, I don't know that any of those teams have one, no matter what way you look at it. Last four teams for you, and again, we'll go through these a little bit more quickly. Shout out to the Tulsa squad. You can't be in Oklahoma. You can't have Oklahoma. You can't have Oklahoma State and not extend an offer out to Tulsa as well. You get Diego Pernas, a new member of the Tulsa men's tennis team this year, coming over from East Tennessee State. You have the redshirt freshman Gus Tatambul, excuse me, last year redshirting from St. Louis University High School, Missouri, Class 3 state champion, USTA St. Louis Tennis Player of the Year. Got to learn more about him, but we're going to be talking a lot of Tulsa here at Crack Rackets moving forward, given the fact that my former high school tennis coach is now the assistant coach uh, of the men's tennis team. Of course, on the women's side, again, know a little bit about Maria Berlanga Bandera. Uh, Berlanga Bandera, of course, tied for the team lead in wins last year. She's played primarily at the number two single spot uh, for Tulsa. She's partnered with uh, her teammate, excuse me, Sasha Naherska, the fourth member of this squad. Sasha Naherska coming over from Oral Robert. Roberts for her final two seasons in college tennis, seven and three last year in singles, eight and two in doubles in limited dual match play, play primarily at the sixth spot. Again, I'm excited to get a look at these Tulsa players. Don't know as much about them as I should, so I'll keep an eye on them for all of you, give you the scouting report. After that, again, 
We got some legends of the state of Oklahoma on our final three squads. I guess I should mention the most recent squad first. Let's talk about the current players. Aaron Marchetti, uh, who is one of the pros here at the Edmund, uh, Edmund Tennis Center. So shout out to him. was very, very kind uh, to me all day here today. He's partnered with recent graduate uh, Martina Zerolo. You also have the recent LSU transfer, Sophia Carrington. Uh, for her final season on the job, she's obviously an Oklahoma State cowgirl. Uh, will be fascinating to see how Carrington performs, Zerolo performs. Then how about Justin Schlageter, who had a very solid, one of the breakout seasons, dare I say, for Schlageter last season uh, for the OU Sooners. Again, Marchetti, Zerolo, Carrington, Schlageter. That's a solid squad. Now we get to the all-age team. You look at our finals. Let's go Ashley Watling, uh, 2011 National Indoor finalist in doubles while at Tulsa, now the head pro at Southern Hills, a local country club in the area. Many here will, again, get amped for Watling. He was 2010, 2011 at Tulsa, a little bit before my time of following. You know, at those times, if you have questions about Virginia, USC, Georgia, Ohio State during those years. That's what I was focusing on in 08, 09, 2010. But again, I'll, I look forward to learning more about him as we go throughout the course of the week. You've got Ashley Watling. You've got the former Purdue standout, Caitlin Culkins as well. Tulsa Jr. Ana Naranjo on this team. And then most interesting member of this team is certainly Ian Brax. Brax, a rising junior in high school. He was also the 2023 Boys 16's Easter Bowl champion. Ian Brax is going to be a heck of a – you win the Easter Bowl in the 16s, you have my attention again. The Easter Bowl, one of the six premier junior events on the calendar. You've got the four junior slams, the Orange Bowl, the Easter Bowl. I mean, it's an exclusive list, but I think it belongs on that list right up there with the Kalamazoo's of the world, and Brax won that in the 16s. So, again, Ian Brax, absolute superstar. Uh, he is the final member of Team Watling. And then last but certainly not least, again – Legends of the area. You start with Whitney Ritchie, former number one for Oklahoma, who, of course, takes her tennis skills and says, you know what? That's not enough for me. I want to go play basketball for the Sooners as well. She was able to do it. You've got Jackson Ross currently at UTSA. Kelly Williford, a former Virginia Tech uh, player and pro, I believe. Uh, oh, won her first pro title, excuse me, in doubles last season. Then Seth Moore, the former Kaiser coach, who is now back home in Oklahoma. Those are your eight squads. It's going to be a really fun day, uh, two days of action, and we're looking forward to covering it all on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. So again, be sure to tune in Friday, Saturday. We'll have updates throughout the course of the weekend on our social media channels as well. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff. Makes everything you see possible uh, on our Cracked Rackets channels. And again, we always like to give a shout out to him, given the fact that, as we know, he has a editing job to do day in, day out, making all of our content possible. With all of that said, a shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. That is your preview of the 2023 Oklahoma Tennis Foundation Open. Again, I will be back later today to talk you through Osaka, San Diego, Cary, Davis Cup, everything else. That said, for now, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll see you all later today. Thanks, everyone.